Welcome to Meant to Move, a series all about developing our relationship with our bodies and learning how to see our body not as an obstacle, but as a path to a more fulfilling life. I am Marie Janicek, a movement expert here to guide you towards becoming more in tune with your body. And I am Julia Spohr, a layperson who will go on this journey with you and help you avoid beginner mistakes. Together we will discuss all things regarding movement, embodiment, intuition and body image to help you reach your goals regarding physical health, mental health, athletic performance, spirituality, emotions and even relationships. Thank you for tuning in. Like that also is more relatable, you know. This is us being relatable. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to me being relatable, I feel like it doesn't get better than this because I am here sitting very comfortably. I unbuttoned my pants and like the fly is down. And I feel like it doesn't get more personal than this. I mean, I'm in my stretchy pants and I'm wearing mm. a pretty sweater or like a pretty turtleneck with like this beautiful yeah. Colorado scenery, but it's super comfy. So like I came to mm. be in here this Saturday morning, two cups of coffee and started my day yes. finishing Sex in the City, which I rewatched many times and... I had such a good cry <laughs> at the end of the last episode because yes, as silly as that show can be sometimes, and, and there's so many things that happen in like the romantic exchanges that I find petty and sometimes limited, what you do feel at the end, which I don't think I'd ever felt as clearly before, is like Carrie's deep desire for like that huge level of love. And like that level of love that's so all-consuming where somebody loves you because of, you know, your quirks and your faults and and sort of the beauty of the story of her and Big, like having gone through all that tumult and all that conflict within themselves and going through that to then still choose one another. I don't know. It just hit me in a new level. Um, but it was it was an interesting way to start the morning, but really beautiful to be crying mm-hmm. about the beauty of love. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like this is so underrated and like the whole show with, you know, because we uh, we've been talking that we are both. Uh, big fans of Sex and yeah. the City and especially like coming back to it now after the new season which is controversial I guess um, mm. but I guess I have so much sentiment for the original series and just you know the way it depicted you know female friendship and sexuality and just having fun and and maturing and and fashion also as just like 90s fashion Chef, yeah. chef's kiss <laughs> Oh my god, um, I I love yeah. the fashion. I love how wild it is. It's also how I dress, so I definitely stand mm-hmm. out a lot here since moving to Colorado. Like when I when I go out <laughs> to dinner, like I am way out of place, but it makes me happy <laughs> to be wearing like my bright orange yeah. skirt with my maroon jacket and my witch boots and, you know. Mm, yeah, I feel like this is such a vibe and I feel like what is what is underrated is just also rewatching your favorite TV shows. Just like mm. it is okay to come back to the things that you know will make you feel good. And, you know, 
it's it's Friday night and you feel like I want to watch something on Netflix and you browse and you feel like oh it's like something recommend someone recommend me this or this is the you know Bridgerton's or whatever it's called or like the Queen's Gambit and you feel like oh everyone is watching that but I don't want to watch it I know I want to watch something that I know for certain it's is good it makes me feel great I feel inspired I cry and I feel like there should not be shame in watching your favorite TV shows. You know, it's funny because I've I've noticed when talking to people, there are people who do rewatch their favorite shows, and then there's people who never rewatch stuff, who are always looking for the new. And something that took me a long time to feel good about is the fact that I do rewatch stuff, but um, rewatching this round of Sex in the City is probably my fourth or my fifth time. I, I lose count. Something I notice is because I already know the story, uh, there's a level where I don't actually have to focus the same way when I'm watching a new show. And if I'm a little bit stuck in a rut or even procrastinating or having a hard time getting motivated for work, there's an interesting thing that happens re-watching old TV shows where I'll be watching and then my brain will kind of stop focusing and then I'll start thinking mm-hmm. about the thing I've been struggling with. And then I actually like start to get the idea and then I can stop and move yes. and go back to work. Exactly. I know the feeling. And it's also like sometimes you feel like you want to watch something but you don't want to get that involved or you don't want to watch like the whole thing and when you rewatch something that you already know it's just like you don't have to put that much effort and attention into it you just like have it in the background you can you know have your own creative thoughts running and just you know enjoy yourself and I think like procrastination with your you know old favorite shows is such a great thing because you can like stop it and end it very quickly when you feel like actually I want to do it uh, because you don't get that you like right that involved (laughs) yeah so this is your favorite you know podcast about sex in the city (laughs) (laughs) and it's funny because like watching a new show yeah there's definitely there's something interesting about like entertaining ourselves with new stuff I think it's a way bigger distraction than re-watching old stuff and and it's really been fascinating for me to watch this within myself and to allow myself permission to follow this impulse to go back and rewatch old things that I'm familiar with and notice how it acts as a faster gateway in so many ways than either trying to force myself to do work that I don't feel ready to do or distract myself with something new, which actually pulls me out of my workflow. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, welcome to learning to know right. yourself better. <laughs> exactly. I feel like, and also like when it comes to movement, because actually, surprise, surprise, this is a podcast about movement. Um, yeah, it's not about TV. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that? It's such a surprise. Um, but I feel like it's also like a great thing to, you know, movement does not feel easy sometimes you don't or you don't feel like doing it and I feel like for me sometimes putting on a, a, a tv show or something that I enjoy just even at the beginning just to start for start for example you know when I bike or when, when I do a workout at home it is such a great way to just get myself you know moving because when I get gain the momentum It's easy, you know, that's just, you know, going downhill. It's nice to continue moving. The beginning is hard and I feel like 
also having some shows that you you know if you have a stationary bike it's great to to start with that and just watch something and then you can move on to maybe get it going outside or or doing some like more intuitive movement inside i think like it's it's a great way to kind of <laughs> manipulate yourself a bit for me like that's actually why rewatching old stuff is more helpful because if i've already been neglecting my need to move, I'll start watching and I'll feel myself get bored. <laughs> and, and and it'll be very clear when my body is saying like, no, actually it should be moving. And so, like we mentioned earlier, it's easier to interrupt something you already know to do the thing you need to do because you don't, you already know what's happening. Um, and so I find that often if I've like not really been moving and I'm, and I'm having trouble focusing on work, I will start something and it can be as soon as like two or five minutes in, I start to realize like, actually what I need to do now is get outside or like, actually mm -hmm. what I need to do is like dive into movement practice right now. And so it helps me switch in that capacity as well. Um, so it's just like really fascinating, like the many pathways of energy. It's something we talked about in our first episode together, this um, concept of mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. Yeah all being interwoven and this is like a huge part of our relationship with our bodies and with movement as well and so this energy is always flowing and it's a matter of allowing yourself to bring all parts of that to the table and pay attention to all of it instead of trying to compartmentalize and put one thing in one basket and something else in the other yeah i really i think it's very important and under I think discussed and underrated. Yeah. Just having fun, you know, while moving. Uh, because very often it, this is why we are not doing it. And also this why we are not doing it. I think that, you know, the main topic of this, this discussion today is anxiety and the maybe lack of our confidence. So this is like my way just to, to segue into that. Um, because, you know, last week we talked about the relationship we have with our bodies, which is like the foundation of this entire thing. And very often when we talk about the relation relationship with our bodies, we are talking about shame. And shame leads to anxiety. It leads to even to anger sometimes um, or sadness. I feel like shame is at the bottom of everything unkind that we do to ourselves or to others uh, if you are talking about war or like this more you know the, the, these bigger subjects and and if you are you know trying to understand why th this is happening um, think about the people who are making decisions and how they feel about themselves yeah and I think like shame is a part of this but for some people shame isn't the main sort of like root system at play. I think through my experience, there's just a, a general sense of distrust and discomfort in really acquainting ourselves with our bodies. And that is largely due to getting disassociated from our bodies over time through the systems and structures at play in our society today. And that 
prioritization of the mind and our analysis and intellect Mm -hmm. and technology. So like shame, yes, shame is definitely woven into it and the sense of like insecurity and not being enough and like not meeting these aesthetic standards and not meeting even the performance standards, right? But usually Mm -hmm. it's more locked into the aesthetic. But something I notice that's even deeper than that when it comes to anxiety um, and insecurity in the body is just this general sense of distrust in the body and the mm-hmm. sense of feeling separate from it yeah. where I like I don't know how to take care of myself. Something feels wrong. I know I'm here and I want to be on the other side of this here where I feel confident and capable and beautiful and vital and alive. And I don't know how to get there. And what I've been doing right now is wrong. I can and I and I don't know exactly what to do next. <laughs> and I'm being when I try and figure out how to move forward, there's so much information coming at me and a lot of the information especially in fitness is all about the hustle, the grind, the sacrifice, yeah. the suffering um and and this this it's largely this discourse of you're going to have to feel like shit and I'm I'm just cursing yeah, here because I, yeah, I feel yeah, stuck. But, but I, you're going to have to feel like shit for a long time before things get better, yeah. before you get what you want. And so mm-hmm. if you already don't really trust your body, but then you're being told this is what you have to go through to get to where you want, you can feel good. That's a scary barrier to entry. I wouldn't want to jump in either. And I would have a lot of distrust of my body and movement practices as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the narrative that there is no pleasure without pain is like such a oh. overwhelmingly loud one. And and like, I don't know, there are, you know, these motivation, motivational quotes like, you know, no pain, no gain. I mean, this is not a motivational quote. I don't know. I just feel like. No, but it's a it's a it's a very yeah. well known cliche and message. Yeah. And it's one that is in many ways still perpetuated very strongly and yeah. manipulates how we think subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Like cliches are cliches for a reason. And, yeah. and it, I don't know, it's scary. It's scary that it's scary, you know, because I feel like because we are focusing on movement in terms of uh, achievement and, and what kind of score we get or in terms of how we look during, because, you know, I, I, I heard from my friends that, you know, the best place to like find a day is to go to the gym. And I felt like, oh, really? Um, this is a place where people, I don't know, I guess show off their bodies. And, and I, I've never thought of it this way, but it actually may be something that people uh, like a reason why people go to the gym. So anyway, because I feel like we think uh, of movement in terms of, you know, these, these achievements we want to get through movement uh, and forget about how we feel during uh, that. It feels scary because we feel like we are not going to be good enough uh, because there are, you know, always people who can run faster or lift heavier or are more flexible. Then it is no you know, no surprise that it feels scary and we feel anxious about, uh, you know, for example, right, you know, working out in front of people or working out at all um, because we feel like, okay, I'm going to be shit at this. I don't know how to do it. Um, And I'm speaking from experience here. I have been to the gym maybe like once or twice in my life. 
um, you know, a big part of it is I don't like the atmosphere there mm. because, but I feel like maybe it's just me. I'm projecting my own fears and insecurities that I don't know what to do here. Um, and I'm going to be, I, I'm going to look weird doing, you know, doing whatever, trying to lift in a proper way. Mm. And I'm going to be laughed mm. at. I mean, that fear of going to the gym is a huge one. Um, so many thoughts on that. Number one, my my own experience around going to the gym the first time. I was probably 16, and I was trying to go to, like, my local rec center here in Colorado, which is, like, not a chain gym, and it's not the same kind of intensity that a lot of other people are faced with, but it was really intimidating, especially because a lot of the gyms have all these machines, not just weights, but they have these weighted machines. Yes, And that's the scary. irony is the machines are designed... They're designed so that you don't have to really think and be aware of your body. You go in, you look at the the instructions, and you follow suit. But I remember even that felt really disorienting for me. And I'd spent my entire life as a dancer. I was a very active person. I was hiking. I was skiing growing up. I was um, biking in the summers. And, and I... And I had this very strong relationship to my body through being a pre-professional dancer. And yet... Going to the gym was scary, and I remember the level of fear I was negotiating and, and, the, and the anxiety and the insecurity of doing things wrong. Um, my mother, I think, at one point, when I was in college, actually, like, helped me get a training session with somebody, and that actually changed a lot of how I felt in the gym to be led through sort of a sequence of exercises to practice on my own. And I think as my career took me into personal training, it's fascinating how when you understand sort of the history and the mechanism behind why these tools were developed, then you feel so much more safe and fluent going into the space and you have this permission to be able to pick up what you need. But this fundamental basis of education about how our body works, how to be with our body, how to listen to our body, how to move with our body is not institutionalized because our education is prioritized for our minds, not our body. And then yeah. when we are trying to step into taking care of our body, which is a very basic, fundamental human necessity, we are left bare with nothing to hold on to. And it's a terrifying jump to start trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Um, also, I think a big factor, um, in, you know, why this, why movement is scary is, you know, we are very aware in our minds of how we look, how we are, how we can be perceived. Even, even when we are alone, we imagine how a person that would walk in, uh, right now, how they would see us. And so, you know, movement is very often awkward. No matter what you are doing, um, you know, sometimes we get used to, like, as a society, we get used to, you know, how, you know, bicep curls look like. But as a rule, movement feels kind of weird. It, it, weird. it looks kind of weird uh, because we are just not used to many forms of it. And so I feel like so many people, I just had a discussion, you know, um, 
last week on performing, on dancing, acting, and why so many people who seem like these, you know, confident guys or whatever, if you put them on a stage, they would freeze. And I feel like with movement is the same thing. Uh, you you take people who seem very confident, you know, they have the the car, the job, the girl, the the boy or whatever. They seem like they have it all. They are confident, whatever. Um, but if you if you put them and you have like, you know, you lead them through a, an intuitive movement practice, or you say, you know, can you perform for me or whatever, um, they suddenly feel like you know little kids uh, or you know deers in the lights of 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 a car they freeze um Mm. and i feel like you know feeling sort of awkward uh right just it we come back to that mindset of an anxious teenager um and and we don't know what to do i guess well it's is a really interesting paradox you just highlighted there because Yes, we are very heightened and aware of wanting to look good when we move. But I don't think we have a conscious understanding of why. And it's not about looking good. It's because movement is the primary language we use to communicate. It is like the biological evolutionary language that is universal to all humans and in between species. And whether we are conscious of it or not, we interpret 90% of communication through how people hold their bodies and how they express themselves through movement. Even when we're talking with one another, we're actually observing the movement of our facial expressions, the movement of body language to shape the context of the words being spoken. And so every detail about how you hold and choose to move your body through space, especially when you're going into a gym and you don't know what you're doing, this <laughs> this has a heightened biological mm-hmm. need. <laughs> um, and, mm-hmm. it, and it touches on that thread of like, how am I showing who I am to people? And if I'm not mm-hmm. sure of how to be in the space and how I am, presenting myself in this space that is like a major red flag of like i will not survive people will not see me as viable and that's not even for romantic potential partnerships and mates it's just you want to exude the sense of confidence and Mm -hmm. this is why i actually think we are completely missing the boat on what movement actually does for us when we are so obsessed with the aesthetic because it's beyond the aesthetic When we cultivate a healthy and diverse and rich relationship with movement, we are enriching our communication capacity and we are gaining more nuance and ability to be really dialed in into an elite level of communication that's always at play, whether we're actively paying attention to it or not. And this is also why, to your point about people stepping into a stage or into an intuitive movement practice that freeze. And this is where I think so much of movement and fitness is missing the boat on this exact piece of our relationship to our bodies. The space of letting yourself move freely and learning to get comfortable there. Because Mm. this is where we start to gain a much richer sense of our body's communication system. 
And that's unique Mm -hmm. for every person. And if you're not diving into that incredibly unique and personal exchange with yourself, how do you think you're going to be able to use that when you're communicating with other people? Yeah. And, you know, and I think the very thing that people are afraid of when it comes to movement and the very thing that makes them feel the most insecure the paradox is it's the exact thing that's going to help them fill that sense yeah. of need and fill that sense of wholeness that they're looking for in all these exercise regimes and structures and systems. <laughs> and not to say these don't offer that, they offer a piece of it. But to like, if you really want to have command of a space and command in every interaction, this deeper level of learning to feel confident and fluid in just moving your body freely and letting yourself move in weird ways and to have ownership of that be like yeah like this feels great when you harness that you just the unknown doesn't throw you right and this is the thing of like when people feel insecure in their bodies it's because they're being faced with the unknown and because they haven't fostered a relationship in these unknown spaces with movement This is what diminishes their confidence, it shuts down the learning capacity, and it shuts down their ability to connect with themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like so many things that I just want to comment on. First of all, I really did not think about that earlier, um, or consciously, but yeah, really, like movement and like our bodies are our, our main means of communication, and when we see a person you know on the street doing like weird things with their body i don't know like a drunken person for example right we know someone is drunk because they of the way they walk and so we don't want to act in a way that is not usual and and common because then we feel like we're going to communicate i don't know i am drunk or i'm not mentally sane or i don't respect you or or whatever and right, I know I really did not really think about that earlier, and I feel like it's a very important, uh, just it's it's important to to understand. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry, it is important because what people say, like people can choose to say something, but movement will not lie, <laughs> and most often when you feel a sense of like I don't trust what this person just said or communicated the reason you feel that way is because their body whether it was their facial expression their gesture their posture was not actually communicating the same thing that they said and this is where people fall into that place of not listening to their intuition (laughs) which your intuition is really these other mechanisms of your vessel your full self including your physicality and your deep relationship with movement and physicality registering information that your brain doesn't quite understand because you don't have conscious awareness here but your body very much picked up and is telling you something's off and when you're not listening to that that's when you're falling into these situations where things don't match up. I mean, my favorite example is um, when I was dating. Anytime I've been in the dating world, I made the decision to listen to every signal my body gave me about what was going on in these interactions. And I use it in life, too. So if somebody says the right thing, but I feel off about it, 
I treat that as something's off. And I don't trust the words. I trust the feeling. And it's just totally streamlined my experience of interacting with other humans and being Mm -hmm. able to find my way to people who are really nourishing for me, really inspiring for me to be around, help me feel grounded. We do have to make an episode about movement in terms of dating, in terms of relationships. (laughs) I feel like this is such an important topic for like... Everyone out there in the dating world, like, have like, and like an instruction instruction manual to like, what does what, like reading and like, listening to these cues and 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 making sure that the person that you're being with, um, you know, you are honest with each other or like at least you you just feel like you connect. I feel like that would be so helpful. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So let's put that in the in the <laughs> yeah. I feel like we have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, if if you're excited about this, let us know because we just got really excited. (laughs) Yeah. And you just have to send us questions or like tell us your uh, stories from, you know, the dating world or just, you know, embarrassing ones or your wins or or weird moments. I feel like that would be very, I don't know, it would be fun to talk about that. Maybe we could just, you know, share our stories too, but that would be very embarrassing. I like before we started recording here, we were talking a little bit about the focus for today's episode being anxiety and insecurity versus confidence mm-hmm. uh, in ourselves, especially in relationship to movement and our bodies. And, you know, like a huge driving force around changing our bodies is is about relating to people. Um, mm-hmm. And for many people, it's, it is romantic relationships and partnerships and intimacy, but it extends beyond that. It extends in like being able to be really successful in business, you know, and in your career, how, how yeah. you hold yourself and the energy you exude through your body is so powerful in, in sending messages to people about who you are. And as we've been highlighting this biological registry of, of how people move, you you know when you're drawn to someone in a room. And you're usually drawn to the person who's the most confident in their bodies. Whether mm-hmm. you feel confident enough to approach them and talk to them, but like so much so much of who we actually choose to interact with is all about this sort of this linking up of like attracts like. So if you're in a low vibrational place, if you're not feeling good about yourself, right, you're emanating that. And whatever you say, your body will be registering that feeling. And this is why I'm such a big advocate (laughs) uh, for paying attention to how we feel in our bodies. Like this is really the meat of where physicality becomes a spiritual, mental, uh, and even like manifestation practice, because how you feel, that is actually changing how all these details of your system are flowing and presenting themselves. And that is the message people are picking up on more than what you say. Yeah, 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 exactly. So when you, I guess, and but that's what that is what makes it scary, you know, the fact that <laughs> you go, you go to the gym, for example, and you can act like, I know my things. I know like this machine, this does, you know, I will have, I will, you know, practice apps or whatever. I don't even know, you know, what type of terminology to use. That's how anxious I feel right now, yeah. but whatever. Uh, like if you act like, mm, I, I know this, I, I am a fitness expert, but if you emanate that energy 
what is going on? I have no idea what this thing does. I don't know what I am supposed to do. And people can pick up on that. And I feel like this is also why it feels so scary to go to the gym because you feel like, okay, no matter what I do, people will know. And I guess the answer to that is just like, we should accept that we can be beginners and we can, we should accept that we're not going to be perfect. Let's accept that. And that maybe most people don't know what they're doing in the gym to begin with, that everybody on some level is bringing forward the little pieces of what they know and trying to exude confidence. But with this, I also want to say something that I think is really important for people to hear. (laughs) The gym isn't the gateway to your fitness and your relationship with your body. It is not the only place where that is held. The problem Mm -hmm. is... As, as we've slowly cut movement out of our life, we've needed ways to bring it back. And the gym and fitness model is largely a business model. And it was developed to try and streamline this process and, and actually put it in like a cookie cutter box so people could come in and enter it. And I'm not vilifying anybody who created this because they many people created this with good intentions, even if they're trying to make money off of it and be successful, more power to them. I think everybody should find their way to prosperity yeah. and success. I personally would like to do that at people's benefit, not to their detriment. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. that's not always clear. But all this to say is I think some of the most powerful access points we have to our physical fluency to really enriching our relationship with our bodies in a sustainable, powerful, and deeply fulfilling and generative way is actually not through weight training in the gym necessarily. It's through these simple basics that we've devalued, like Mm -hmm. being outside, walking, playing, right? And, and, Every time I've made the prioritization to what feels fun and joyful and even easy for me to tap into, every time I've prioritized my movement practice from that standpoint, the results have always been far more profound, far more accelerated, and far more enjoyable without having to deal with that no pain, no gain bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this is so important to say. Like, if you listen to the, the the first episode, I talked about that I'm a person that has a very long, I think, an extensive history with moving, with sports, with competitive sports. And like I said, I've been to the gym maybe twice in my life. And this is not... Uh, required of you if you want to you know uh, practice whatever it is that you want to practice everything that you can do you can do you know from the comfort of your own uh, home and and I feel like this is you know this this is what the pandemic has also taught us you know I've uh, been for example practicing yoga for a couple of years now and I've been also to yoga classes maybe twice in my life and that is okay. Mm. You can learn, you know, thanks to the internet, you can learn basically anything um, you you want at home. You know, this podcast and, and the things that we provide also, you know, on YouTube. Um, this 
can also be a way for you to to learn um, a, a movement practice or practices uh, no at home and and if that is a more safe space for you that's great you know this is the also the paradox that you that you talked about is that movement and and actually feeling and tuning into our body is what makes us less anxious and the thing that we are so scared about and we don't want to do actually is something that can heal us and and I can relate to that so much because when I do not move when I don't run when I don't do yoga do yoga or like meditate whatever I am such a extremely like I am an anxious person I am a huge ball of nerves and and I just I I feel down and so I feel like it is less important to to feel like you want to challenge yourself and you know go to the gym even though it feels feels scary no if it feels scary don't do it the most important thing for you is just to gain that momentum that we discussed earlier and also in the first episode because that momentum is what will you know start and spark that relationship with your with movement with your body and then all the you know benefits emotional physical uh, relationship wise all those benefits will you know you you will see them if you know they will be tangible uh, if you just if you just start and if if starting at home uh, alone feels easier for me it does then great just do that something I'm thinking about as you're talking here is, you know, redefining this no pain, no gain into a new mantra, which is the purpose is pleasure, or mm-hmm. I prioritize pleasure, like pleasure is my priority. Pleasure is mm-hmm. the priority. Because anytime I've made my priority pleasure and I've moved towards the movement practices that I inherently feel a deep sense of pleasure in. Even when you hit the moments of contrast or conflict or challenge within the practice, if you've built that reservoir of pleasure, that conflict is way more manageable and way less of a big deal, way less of an inhibitor into connecting with yourself because you've built this reservoir and this positive feedback loop. And it's not to say we like there we should not be feeling fear. We will inevitably feel fear at certain points when we are negotiating the body. Like it's designed to have this full range of responses to things. But fear is an indicator and it's an opportunity for us to examine what's happening within ourselves, this deeper arc of who we are as these multifaceted beings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, like, we have to understand that fear, fear is a message, right? So we should listen to the message. But when we're trying to override fear, we're not necessarily doing ourselves a service. And it's so... I'm I'm sort of feeling this intense sense of synergy right now because I've been negotiating my relationship to fear in really massive ways the last few months as I've been entering into new movement practices that historically I probably would have been too scared to do. But recognizing that even though I have this drive to do them because I can see the fun and I can see the potential. But in many ways, I've been 
overriding my fear response and pushing through the fear. And what started happening... Are you talking about your snowboard journey, for example? Snowboarding and rock climbing. These are the big two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what mm -hmm. I've started seeing is happening is every time I'm overriding the fear response and I'm trying to push through... Yes, I'm learning, but I'm having a really terrible time <laughs> and I'm not having fun. I'm not enjoying myself. And so even though the progress is happening, I will walk away from that experience having had a day where I felt stressed, where I felt unsafe, where I felt in danger, where I felt scared, and I'm usually in tears and exhausted and feeling really down on myself and depressed as a result. And... As after having a series of these experiences between snowboarding and rock climbing, I'm realizing that I'm not doing myself the service of listening to the fear response and heeding it, which mean, mm. it doesn't mean I don't do the thing. It means I have to find ways to set myself up so that I actually have these achievable ways to practice easier, yeah. softer ways to practice so that I create the positive feedback loop. Because mm -hmm. if... Yes, I may be getting benefits, but what what cost are those benefits coming at if at the end of the day, it leaves me questioning who I am, my strength as a person, my belonging in this world? And that's that's not really a healthy relationship to movement. And I'll tell you from personal experience, when you allow yourself to scale or shift And maybe for me, it's like putting snowboarding down. I mean, it's end of season, right? It's a good time. But like allowing myself to prioritize the pleasure, make mm -hmm. pleasure the priority. Every time I do that, not only do I learn, but as I mentioned you know, earlier in this conversation, the benefits, even the physical aesthetic benefits come through so much more quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we can say no pain yes pleasure <laughs> i don't know but i feel like <laughs> well i mean i think so... like pain and fear are indicators it's saying hold mm. on i don't feel ready i don't feel ready <laughs> and that's mm. okay like so find where you do feel ready where you feel eager where you feel excited mm. where you're like oh, giddy yeah the feeling that i have right now <laughs> i don't know i feel like this is so Like, this is exactly what I wrote down before our discussion as, like, topics to touch on. Uh, because I felt like, uh, I don't know, I was wondering, why is it that when I don't move, I'm more anxious and, and I feel uh, more down? And I think it's biological, you know, because movement, we know that it creates endorphins um, and dopamine. So, you know... The, the neurotransmitters and hormones that are responsible for happiness and joy. And it's, you know, when you feel happy, when you feel excited and when you are in that state of ecstasy, which is what I often, well, not often, but, you know, in my best sessions, I guess, this is exactly what I feel. When you have that sense of ecstasy and fun and pleasure, uh, you usually in those moments, you are not anxious. You are not wondering how does this look. You are not wondering um, if it, this is awkward or, you know, you, you're not thinking about this, how sweaty you are or how red on your face. You're just having fun and everything else disappears. That's also, you know, biologically explained because dopamine is making, it, it is giving us such a tunnel vision. Uh, and so when you have fun, you are just focusing on this one thing. 
which is this current moment and how great it feels. And and so this is why when you when you move, uh, you can become actually a more confident person and then you are more eager to practice even more and then people can you know start to notice also that in you because like we talked about earlier people can notice that energy shifts they can see when you are a person that that feels good in their body that that wants to share with you that great energy that they had a great you know workout or or whatever they they just will approach you and you will you, you know that it will be a great conversation um so from that one practice so many great things can happen uh, if you just find a way to get into that world that feels not that scary uh, for you and that can also be a process right it, if you only have had these negative feedback loops in relationship to looking at your body experiencing your body moving your body you know when you're initially exploring it can just sort of feel like you're getting hit with a lot more of what's familiar which is like not feeling great and this is why I think actively taking the concepts of meditation and mindfulness into our bodies is one of the most important things we can do to pave way for that future that's different from what we're currently experiencing. And this is what I don't see people paying attention to enough. And... Um, for me, actually, when I switched into my meditation practices, I I was so surprised to realize when I was finally hitting that moment of, I guess, transcendence, right, where I finally tuned yeah. in and tapped into the field and lost myself, I realized this is the exact same as like every time I've gone on a run yeah. and let go or been dancing and thrashing around in a studio and let go. And I was like, I actually know this space. I get here through my body all the time. And for me, there isn't so much of a difference with these spiritually oriented practices of ascending your consciousness, right? And, and finding that idea of enlightenment that exists when we move our bodies as well. They are not separate. And so if you're somebody who struggles with meditation, movement may, may be your inroad to mm. meditation. It always yeah, that was that has for been me, for actually. mine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when we understand it from that level, where it's like, yes, there's a very biological need for us to move because evolutionarily speaking, every single energy exchange we had is sped along by moving our body. Healing happens through movement. Fluid exchange happens through movement. Flushing our cerebrospinal processes, mm. right? Getting our brain rehydrated happens through movement. It all happens through movement. Stress and anxiety and cortisol are metabolized through movement. But we have a world now where we're getting hit with stress and life-threatening states of being through emails and through Instagram exchanges. And yeah. then we don't move. And so we don't move that energy. And when we are wanting and so desperately trying to find that sense of confidence, what we're really talking about is 
having a healthy energy exchange, having a healthy flow of energy through our systems, through all four facets of our systems. And if you don't have that relationship with letting that energy move, and means you, and I mean like allowing it to move physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, if you don't, if that is stunted in some way, you are blocking off that natural flow that you've tapped into at some point in your life where you felt on fire and alive and excited and happy and nothing can go wrong and everything everything is playful and fun. Well, that is available to us all the time if we are devoting ourselves to keeping our channels open and to letting that energy exchange flow. Mm, I am. I feel like oh, I'm so nourished and I am so happy to share all of this you know i'm still learning and you know this whole um this whole series is just me documenting my journey with with movement and and i am so happy that we can share what we already know and and the things that we are discovering as we go um and yeah i'm like excited to also to you know talk about the way we can actually take all of that uh, that we discussed today and put that into practice and actually the things that you should do. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm I'm happy to share what I've been doing in the past two weeks or two. Yeah, no, like, let, let's dive in. So <laughs> last we left off, I know I promised you several practices and I ended up giving you just one, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. that body appreciation guide mm-hmm. that you could do actively focusing on or just playing around in the background. But basically mm-hmm. it was a a series of verbal reminders of the power of your body, the intelligence of your body, and and really uh, a guide to help you remember all the things your body does so well on its own and how it's always here to love yeah. and support you in every moment of every day. Yeah, so what I did was, I guess I had those two main practices two in one I would say I firstly had the the intuitive movement so just standing or whatever doing what I felt like I my body needed to do uh, the movement that felt intuitive um, and then uh, writing down my thoughts and my gratitude and also my thoughts about the practice um, so I have a couple of like insights yay I did not manage to do it every day but I did it I would say you know at least four times a week uh which I think it's already such a like a good thing because usually you know when I'm starting something you know I sometimes I'm leading quite a, a busy life so if I manage to do something four times a week that means that I am enjoying it or I'm seeing a lot of benefits from it um and and I found the time to do that because I decided to sometimes like do that practice um, and not, you know, go for a run or, or work out the, the way I would usually. Uh, and, and I found that a lot of the times I would actually prefer, I would feel like, oh, I don't want to go for a run right now. So, and thought, and I, then I thought, oh, then maybe I should just do what I want to do, actually what my body asks me to do. Um, sometimes it was the other way around. So I felt like I wanted mm. to, uh, I, I wanted to do that intuitive movement, but then I felt, but I feel like, you know, just going out on the field and running, 
just putting my headphones on and running. Oh, this is also what I need to note. Doing that with music is so helpful, especially, you know, as mm. a beginner. I would say this is also like relevant to what we discussed today because does it, doing it without music feels no right more more awkward more weird more scary there's I you, think this... it's a higher level of mastery without music yeah. right because you are responsible for creating rhythm mm. <laughs> and if you're not if you're just trying to explore music is a beautiful guidepost and sort of safety net to give you things to sync up with so it gives you a point of focus in some ways, in a subconscious way. And there's this beautiful concept, biological concept, that I think is one of the most magical things about nature, which is called emergence. And rhythm is a huge part of emergence. Like when you watch a flock of birds all move at the same time, but there's no clear leader, that's an example of emergence. Yeah. It's like a vibrational tuning that's happening through at an energetic level. Um, it's sort of hive mind. And we have this in so many ways. It's why we tend to mimic other people or mimic like general popular trends. But when we listen to music and we allow ourselves to move, we just naturally sync up with the rhythm mm. and the flow of the music. So it gives us yeah. something to anchor into. Yeah, so that was very helpful. And I will recommend for anyone trying out and, and going on this journey with me to either find yourself a playlist that feels right or, you know, making your own. I switched from, you know, a more like chill vibes, like lo-fi beats. Also, I did like... Brazilian samba and also just you know sometimes classical music sometimes sometimes I felt like I want to listen to the seventh symphony or just like you know like Beethoven or, or Bach whatever uh, I, I I found that very nice um, so just also and that also is nice to to listen to like your intuition what music also feels right what music um resonates with your current energy uh that also felt nice because you know in order to decide that in order to decide what movement you want to do in order to decide what music feels right you need to have like a degree of awareness which you mm -hmm. don't usually have you have to really mm -hmm. tune in and ask yourself okay how am i feeling and what do i want to do slash listen to that will that will match that uh, so yeah, that's music. And when it comes to the effects, I feel like mostly uh, ending uh, it, I think usually for me, it took like 20, 25 minutes. Ending it, I felt like immense joy, but it was like, it was childlike, you know? Yeah. It was pure because it felt like I allowed myself something that I do not usually allow myself, you know? Like, Sometimes I ha I'm such a in a such a great mood and I'm walking down the street and I do not allow myself to you know skip or run or you know laugh just because I I feel like laughing out loud but I feel like okay if I'm gonna walk down the street and suddenly burst out laughing then people exa again coming back to that movement being a language people are going to get the message that something is wrong with me um, and and I feel like this joy. And, and letting yourself do whatever feels right, it, it, it feels freeing. So I feel like that joy is, is very important. So uh, what I also have written down here is that 
yeah, sometimes I gravitated to the things that I already knew. Um, so very often it was just like kind of dancing, but sometimes I felt like I wanted to go for a run or I want to like stretch. So do some like yoga poses or just like, I don't know, jumping. Um, and, uh, and sometimes it was just laying down, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is also like movement and, and, and meditation, uh, like again, uh, not, I guess, moving in that direct way, but, but meditating and sitting and it's something that I didn't really feel like before that that was movement. This is only that y- you told me that it can also be a way of moving. So sometimes I just had that um shavasana pose where i just you know laid down uh, with my palms and you know pointed uh, upwards to the sky and just mm. and and just did that sometimes i it what feels incredibly nice uh, very often after a, a long day is laying down with one hand on your tummy the other one on your heart mm. and and just feeling the flow of your breath um you know from from the from the chest to your tummy and and back so i feel like that that also sometimes was something that i needed um and yeah and and writing down my thoughts was important for me to write make it even a more aware and mindful practice um and 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 yeah and uh, and focusing on how great it is that my body is actually able to do that that I am not suffering from any conditions that will not allow me to do one, you know, form of stretching. For example, I have a lot of friends that are suffering from some kind of, you know, knee issues and they are not able to stretch the way that I do. They are not able to do a lot of like lunges uh, or, or different exercises like that. And I just felt like I am so lucky. And, and even though, you know, I sometimes feel like, oh, my body could be better at doing this or it could be faster or it could be stronger. I, it was able to provide me with this feeling of immense joy. Um, and of course I had a lot of, it wasn't all rosy. Uh, sometimes that experience felt kind of, like I said, it felt kind of awkward and, and I, I, couldn't help but think what someone watching me would think about the poses that I made um I unfortunately was doing that in a room that had two or three mirrors which is not something that I recommend I feel like if you are a beginner (laughs) get yourself a room that you are you know alone in there are no mirrors and you're wearing your sweatpants because you know it it is again you're you're you want to have as a little barrier to entry as possible um so i feel like sometimes i was very aware that oh this feels weird or i look very weird or i don't like how my body looks like in this pose um so yeah i guess that is that i have so many like other thoughts i don't know if i should continue maybe you should like I have, I mean, I have, commenting on I have that. so much I want to jump in and I'm going to kind of yeah. go through the list as I have in my head. Number one, if you do something four times a week, that is an incredibly successful administration of protocol. 
I mm. think so often we have the sense that if we're instituting a new habit, it has to be every day. But I actually, if you think about like even from a percentage component, if you add something into your week and you're doing it three or four times, you're in that 40 to 60% increase. That's a big deal. <laughs> and if you're able to maintain that for a few weeks, that that is really the seed of progress. So I want, just first off want to encourage everybody to see if you are making a change and you're adding something in three, four times a week, that is incredibly successful. You do not have to do something every day to institute a new habit. It's already a big change to be adding something in that often. Number two, I the first part of like all the benefits you felt, I'm so excited about because these are all the benefits I feel. And I think this, this thing of euphoria and joy being the main effect of how you feel when you allow yourself to be in this space and then noticing that effervescence continue to be with you in the day and even that impulse rising up when you're in public, like, I just want to like be silly. Yeah. That, that is such a powerful emission. And so what you've already done there is you already are transmuting how you move in the world and you're already changing at a very fundamental level how people receive and respond to you. And my one tip would be like to start exploring this um, this exchange of like worrying about what other people think. And I think in many ways, this is the most powerful spiritual lesson of movement. Because if we are already interested in more metaphysical concepts and more conscious and energy-oriented concepts where we create our reality and our perception of the world is basically just made through how we're choosing to receive that information... And at the end of the day, we don't have control over how people behave or what they think of us. And that, that worry about what other people think and trying to change who we are to change how they feel or think about us is always a losing battle. Because if you are not prioritizing how you feel first and making your pleasure the priority and your joy the prior priority, you will always be in a losing game because other people are worrying about themselves too. And I think the greatest level of service we can give the planet and the collective is to take care of ourselves first and to take care of enjoying ourselves first. Because when we are in a state of joy and pleasure, we are just so much kinder and more loving and and the exchanges we give people are of such better quality so to give yourself permission to give no fucks what anybody else thinks and just do you and be you and allow yourself to feel good this is one of the most powerful practices you can institute so that's already being formed and i think what's really interesting my favorite thing about intuitive movement is the fact that when you have the space for yourself without anybody around you and you are still worrying <laughs> about what you look like yeah, and what other yeah, people yeah. will that think is so it's weird. it's a major it's a major signal a major indicator as to how much of your time you spend absorbed in worrying about other people instead of yourself and I think this is what makes this practice really powerful. So I agree with your encouragement for beginner adaptations. 
Make sure you have a space where you know no one will be there. Make sure you feel really comfortable. Yes, pick music that you really are jiving with. This is something that I think is so fascinating. We have this ability to scale what we need in relationship to things like light and temperature and music and vibes. And what we're trying to learn how to do here is to do that with our bodies and how we move our bodies and how we feel in our bodies as well. So we're trying to take a skill set that we already have adapted very strongly and very well and just translate it into a deeper level of our being. So yeah, finding music that you really dig right now because it's, it's calling to the emotional and mental quotient that you are negotiating. And if you choose that track, whether it's a sad song, a happy song, a slow song, an upbeat song, when you're finding the one that feels really resonant and then you move with it, you are using movement as this alchemical process to transform the stagnant energy that is in your mind, body, all parts of yourself. And you're allowing that channel to open up and flow. And if you're using music that you feel resonant with at the end, you will feel such relief, such a catharsis, such a sense of euphoria, upliftment, and joy. Also, this ability to sort of read the impulses and know when you want to go into something structured that you know, whether that's running or any other movement practice, versus wanting to practice your intuitive movement. That is a form of intuitive movement, knowing which practice you Mm. need that day and allowing yourself to play with the variety. This, for me, is the biggest problem with fitness programming is it doesn't allow for that because it's so results driven. And this is actually what slows people down in achieving what they want, which is not only that ideal body and aesthetic, but that feeling And so when you're letting yourself make decisions based off of what you need, and yes, laying down is a form of movement. Movement Mm -hmm. is on a scale. When we lay down, we get to feel the nuanced movement of our body in our breath, in our heartbeat, in our blood flow, in that soft tingling. And in many ways for us to really have a relationship with our body, we need to feel comfortable settling into our body. And to really understand the power of movement, we need to understand our relationship with gravity, which is letting go and letting yourself be held in the embrace of gravity. This is such a nuanced, fundamental, and seemingly simple thing, but it's such a game changer. And so I'm really excited to hear that you tapped into all levels of this. And I will also say that the piece that was difficult for you, that insecurity this is the biggest thing that prevents people from moving in this space, but this is the big human thing that we are all negotiating. And it's the common factor and common challenge that is limiting us, not just in our physical bodies, but in all the things we care about in our relationships, in our career, in our in our finances and money and, you know, sense of creativity and joy. It's that that feeling of I what what will others think? And so when you step into this space in a place where people are not a factor, but then they're still coming up as a factor in your mind or your own judgment of yourself gets in your way, you have the first ability to start changing that. 
And this mm. will be the easiest entry to start changing that because you're changing it at, at a foundational level where you have the safety to deal with it. But all this to say that's normal. And after over 20 years of sort of being in an intuitive practice in some way, shape, or form, I wish I could say that this judgment goes away. It doesn't. <laughs> it never goes yeah. away, but something I'm, re I'm discovering the deeper in I go is it just allows me to work with this deeply ingrained evolutionary need for people to like me <laughs> and to... And to embrace it, to see it, but then to not let it run the show. And yeah. every time I really recommit myself to intuitive movement practice, there's almost like a direct correlation within a matter of days where suddenly I'm able to just show up as who I am. I don't care so much about what other people think. And the interesting thing is my magnetism increases. Uh, and when I feel that freedom to just share the things that I care about and be myself and move the way I want and do what I want, I have these incredible experiences, whether it's like meeting somebody on a hike or like talking to a cashier as I'm checking out somewhere or, you know, just even getting to move with somebody and walk away from it feeling so happy and revitalized and nourished. Like there's so many things that or even exchanges like this, you know, have, having such a fun yes. conversation with a fellow human being about the things I love. These all come together when I prioritize this relationship with me and I start to unwind this evolutionary need, which had its uses now, but now is actually a limitation. And I give myself the space to not let it drive the wheel. Mm, yeah exactly it can be there it doesn't mean that you're a bad person if you care about what other people no it means that you are just a person and it's actually normal. and it's actually you means that you are a good person because you actually want to have good relationships you act you you have that need to respect the other person and you want them to to like you back and it's it's completely normal um so i feel like Right. If you just not let it be like the main point of your decision making process, then it's it's like it's okay. And I'm gonna try to make sure that in my full like you know next practice or next I don't know in my next week I guess I will just make sure that I'm focusing on at least being aware of of that need and and that insecurity. Um, yeah, I'm like super excited for, for what's to come. Um, also like just, I feel like my relationship with, with my body, it's, it's weird. because I, I've, I've noticed some like physical changes as well, Yeah, uh, which, which was like surprising, but I actually felt like more, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna leave what has changed for myself. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I want you like as the listener to have like a goal that you're trying to achieve through that. So I'm not going to share what, what I have, have achieved, but I'm just going to tell I you that. I do think, I do think sharing what you have achieved serves as a point of inspiration and possibility. But I also don't want this to be a reason why I am doing this. You know, it's a nice. And it may not be, it may be a happy accident. And this is what I, yeah. This is my thing is I think 
I think when we prioritize the feeling and the emotional and mental side and the spiritual side of what's happening with our physicality first, the physical changes that happen are a happy accident. But I also don't think they should be discounted because those those changes are powerful and they're beautiful and they're so satisfying when they come through. They should be celebrated. But I do think it's important that they are not the only focus point. Yeah. And, you know, and this is why I, we are creating this to help people see this as multidimensional. But that being said, I trust your gut. I trust your (laughs) intuition. I just wanted to, to let, to, also say this for everyone mm-hmm. to recognize that if you are getting physical changes in this and they feel exciting to you then yeah celebrate them because mm. that's part of this whole equation right it's yeah. bringing our whole self to the table yeah it's nice to, to see that, that that the four main aspects are really affected by this whole thing um and I've also, I think I wanted to say that what really felt nice um, is being like there for myself. For example, like in, in that intuitive movement, I felt like there was a lot of like sensuality and, and making like moving in a way that feels right. Very, I don't know. I, I don't have any other word for it. Sensual and and I feel like this is a, a a big part of me that I am sometimes not letting out. And sometimes, you know, just just holding yourself, just standing or or you know, doing whatever and just just holding yourself. Oh my god, it feels nice. I encourage you, if you're not driving your car right now, just <laughs> just embrace yourself. That is so incredibly nice. It feels like there is someone there for you. And then you remember, oh, actually, that person is me. And it is such an amazing feeling. And and something that I have not really... Like, I sometimes do it very, like, rarely. Like, when I'm in bed, for example, and I'm stressed, I did that sometimes. Or I hug the pillow. Um, but I guess I'm, I, I, want to, I want to do it more because... You don't need anyone to hug you. You can hug yourself. This is like such a great, just such a, such great news, you know, that that, that is possible, um, that you don't need anyone. You have yourself. And I think like self-touch um, is such an underestimated level of self-care. And, you know, also talking about sensuality, like physicality happens through the sensorial space. It happens through our senses. So, you know, what the, and sensuality, I think, is oftentimes confused with sexuality. And mm. of course, like sexuality has a sensuality component, but life is sensual because you smell, you touch, you taste, you feel, you hear, you see. And, and when you are tapping into intuitive movement, you are prioritizing your sensory experience over your mental experience. So for me, this is like why it's such a fast track into embodiment, which is also kind of a nebulous topic that we might need a whole episode for. But, you know, this, I think when people talk about embodiments, like I want to be more in connect connection with my body. Well, they're very simple ways to do that. And it really starts with wanting to be in this language of sensation with your body, that your body is 
always speaking to you through, but usually you're not listening, as we talked about last episode. Mm. And so when you're in intuitive movement, you're letting that message be your signal and be your guide. And so you'll your experience of how you move in your body is going to be sensually because it's sensation oriented. And the more sensation oriented you are, you're developing a much more robust sense of understanding and fluency with your body's communication system. So you are get creating a better, healthier relationship with you and you. And at the root of every relationship we have in every other facet of our lives, whether it's people, circumstances, events, or dreams, it all comes down to the foundational relationship of you and you. So it's just such an important foothold. And when you are more sensually attuned, you're also just becoming more attuned to these deeply influential aspects of yourself that are sending you messages about everything. Like we were talking about with dating or registering a feeling, you'll be able to trust that a lot more. And I don't know if that's already something that you're noticing. Maybe not yet, but something I definitely noticed, like I, I trust the signal of my body. And so as we talked about in the beginning of this episode, that sense of disassociation and distrust people feel in their body, I find this is that hidden key because it allows you to get more acquainted with yourself, develop a sense of trust in that messaging system. Because when you're creating the positive pleasure feedback loop and it's bringing you so much benefit, you're more willing to trust the alert system when it goes off as well. Yeah. Oh, this is all so exciting. Um, And so, yeah, I just, I want to ask you, what is next? What should I do? What should the listeners do? What will be waiting for them on the YouTubes? So I I had wanted to make one of these for you last episode, but I'm going to do it now, which is a guided intuitive movement practice. And since you've already developed a healthy relationship with this, this will just be another inroad to go a little bit deeper. There'll be... I would like to add music to it. We'll see if we're able to. What might need to happen for um, licensing reasons will be guided. And if you want music in the background or like a playlist to accompany it, we can do that. Um, But just this guided practice to help you go a little bit deeper into that process and to help start shifting that, start negotiating that relationship with the mental interruption and that evolutionary need to please and, you know, make yourself adaptable for the comfort of others. Um, Something I would also suggest is to take your intuitive movement practice outside. Yeah. And that can be, it doesn't have to be in a really public place. Sometimes just finding a little spot in nature in a grassy field can be really good or even in the woods but to find places in nature where you can especially for you because nature already holds so much value and you have a deep relationship there I think what was game-changing for me is when I started allowing myself to move freely outside um, the charge and the amplification of what I was working with was so much bigger not even because of people but almost like the observation of life mm. and different like ecosystems around me. It, I yeah. don't know. It's it's a totally different dimension. And because I will also say you're operating at a pretty advanced level. And a large <laughs> part of that is 
you had a lot of buy-in. You were excited. This is something you were kind of looking for in some ways, like really excited to dig into. Again, pleasure and excitement and eagerness yeah. being really valuable yeah. assets. They really make um, everything easier. All the difference, like learning something. So playing around with this intuitive movement outside and it might be really subtle you might just find yourself like softly swaying you know and just feeling the wind and the air on your skin and and tuning into the sounds of nature around you whether you even hear cars in the background you know or kids chattering but you know letting yourself move and it maybe you only have the capacity for like two or five minutes maybe it helps you to have headphones in and like listen to a song but I would encourage trying to do that maybe once or twice a week Mm. because I think it'll unlock a lot for you and I think you're ready to dive into that deep end oh that is so exciting I'll be waiting for uh I guess your guided intuitive and for all the listeners you can find that in the in the show notes in the episode description uh you can also find us on the youtubes it's just meant to move and you can find the first episode there um hopefully this new episode will also have our beautiful faces on there <laughs> um yeah for all the for all the listeners just you know listening um through spotify or apple podcast you're missing out a lot so yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I got no. dressed up for this episode. Yeah, <laughs> I was you following see- my Sex in the City inclination. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I have my nineties um, white shirt with the you know without the sleeves, so it's you know it's sexy here. It's nice. We are cute. We're fancy with a little with a little gold bracelet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have that golden bracelet. It's all very nice so you know you can find us on there uh, along with all the instructions and guidance that you you will need um you know maybe if you want to have a nice playlist i'm sure that marie has some that uh, you know she already created and and she can share share a few you can put that yeah exactly and so that'll probably i can also put that in the episode description so you will just have that and and yeah and i'm super excited to catch up with Me you too. next time <sighs> yeah and as we've already mentioned um we want you to join us on this journey so feel free to hop in on that youtube channel and play around with all these practices yourself and even if you're a little hesitant to start because you have questions or concerns or you have insecurities that are getting in your way We want to use this series as a vehicle to actually address what's going on for you, because if it's happening for you, it's happening for other people. And so on our website, in the show notes, we have a contact form that you can send us questions, send us any information that you want to share or relay so that we can be of better service to you as this series continues to expand and grow. Yes. So don't hesitate to tell us your stories, embarrassing stories, you know, successful stories. We would love to, you know, share them. You can, you know, if you feel like you're not really comfortable um, with what you're sharing, you can always, you know, send it us anonymous and we will make sure that no one knows and we don't even know we will not know who you are uh so yeah that's that's completely fine uh you know this is a safe space this is a place where we want you to feel welcome and and this is a very non-judgmental place where we sit in our stretchy slash unbuttoned pants and everything is great and we are all just 
figuring out life here, which I feel is the best. Yeah, nobody has it figured out. We're all just trying yeah. to figure it out in our own way. So we welcome you into this fold. <laughs> yeah, and see you soon. Bye. Meant to Move is hosted and produced by Marie Janicek and Julia Spohr as a series posted on the This Thing Called Movement and Being Better podcasts. If you want to learn more or try out a practice that was mentioned in the episode, visit the website attached in the show notes. On our website, you will also find a contact form through which you can send us questions, tell us about your struggles, and also share your recent successes. We'd love to hear about your journey with embodiment and movement and answer any questions you may have in future episodes. Because if you're asking these questions, it's likely others are struggling with the same things too. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for listening and remember that you are so much more than you think and that you really are meant to move.